evening and welcome to Olosafumar Takes. This is our 245th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azle, Texas. I'm your host, Bear Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. It's going to be a return home for one of us, sort of, kind of. We'll explain later in just a minute. And so without further ado, we'll get to uh, introductions in just a moment, but we do have to thank the people that just thank, that make this show possible, of course. And that, of course, is our sponsors, and tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has once again done it again with the combination of non-traditional and traditional with the Acid Kubariety Pack. Yes, the Acid Kubariety uh, 3 Pack is available now at Drew Diplomat Retailers in uh, retailers nationwide. This combines the non-traditional smoker with the traditional smart cigar smoker. So if you are a traditional cigar smoker and would like to try some non-traditional cigars, or if you're a non-traditional fan and would like to try a traditional cigar for the very first time, the Kubariety Pack from Drew Estate is your ticket. So you definitely want to check this out because it is a huge bargain and it's a great way to try something different from Drew Estate. So for the price of two acid Cuba Cubas, purchasers receive three cigars with a free Undercrown Shade cigar included in the back. The specially selected cigars inside are all Robustos 5x54 and packaged inside resealable fresh racks with a Boveda humidification system to make sure that the product remains fresh for any time that you want to enjoy. So check out the Acid Coop Variety Pack today if you want to try something new or try something old or maybe combine the two. The best is always yet to come from Drew Estate. And welcome, everybody. This is our 245th take. And without further ado, it is my pleasure, my privilege uh, to welcome back to Ellos from our takes for our 245th take, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today and start living united. Mr. Andy Yaffe of Macau Cigars. Andy, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Barry. You know, we were talking before... Uh, going live that this is probably the first night that I've actually this year been able to sit outside and do anything like with a cigar because it's just been so damn cold but it's beautiful tonight I'm ready for this this is going to be fun that's awesome yeah it this weekend was absolutely perfect I was so ah, same here I, I was so disappointed uh, because you know my 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 son is uh, my son started his second season of baseball his first spring season and you know how hot it gets in here in Texas and I'm just like waiting for that um so it rained here quite a bit uh on friday he had scheduled games yesterday for saturday and they like canceled the game like at 9 a.m friday morning from rain that we had had thursday night and friday i'm like oh man and the weather was absolutely beautiful like we spent all day outside oh, yesterday geez. and i was like this why did they cancel day. it because of rain, because the, the oh, fields were just, on. the fields were all messed oh, up. Oh, the, the fields yeah. were too wet. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. And, but like, I wouldn't buy and the fields were like fine, but you know, they're city owned and you know, when, you know, kids chomp around on, you know, just run around on the fields, they can get messed up and stuff. And I guess they just, I see. Don't you know, that somewhat, somewhat reminds me when I was growing up in Florida and you'd have that hurricane that was headed your way. And they would say, you know, school's canceled or whatever, and everybody would be home. And then it would turn at the last minute. And it was this just gorgeous day that everybody just got a free day at home to play with their friends. <laughs> because it, it turned at the last minute. They couldn't change their mind. Right. And that's crazy. I, Yeah, we've we've had some pretty extreme. I mean, it's it's all, it's barely still the end of March. And, you know, we've, we've already had some extreme weather. And uh, Mississippi, of course, got the, you know, the 
worst of it this this uh this this past couple of days and stuff and man it's yeah it's it's gearing up for an adventurous spring but uh but uh, mm-hmm. i saw that you already lit up let's so let's light up a cigar uh together um you were kind enough very kind andy thank you so much for sending me some cigars um you know i've always got some a's on hand because you know how much i love that cigar um the og uh is one of my is one is definitely my it's definitely one of my go-tos, but you sent me some A's as well, but some unique sizes here yeah. and um, also some Medallia SCs, man. So, I mean, you sent these to me, man. So what, what would you like me to light up? It's, it's, it's your choice. All right. So you said you're a fan of the A blend. I lit up the new A Robusto okay. uh, that will be available to retailers coming up in a couple weeks here. Have you tried this size? I know you've had a lowercase A at some point and the original. And I've had the Cordo. Have you had the? I have, have not had, had the, the Robusto. I have not had okay. the Robusto yet. I think the Robusto is the perfect size for this blend. It just pops with the flavor, and I love the lowercase a because I love the flavor that gives out too. The problem I have with the lowercase a is I chain smoke them because they're so small. They get out, you know, they 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 run out on me too quick. Where this is the perfect size, uh, to where you don't have to spend too much time, but enough time to have a good smoke. So. I want you to try this one first, just because that's what I lit up. And was I supposed to wait for, for you to light up? Absolutely. Like, no, I, 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 I feel, always wait. Okay. And I always ask my guests to pick my cigar. It's a pretty, it's a tradition here. So oh, no, 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 okay, no, no. Okay. So no, no, no. I didn't no. want to be rude. Absolutely not, man. Like you said, the weather's like just phenomenal. Why wouldn't you? So okay. are you pairing yes, it with anything tonight? So I just have some good old fashioned Gatorade next to me. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm getting over being sick this week. So. Uh, nothing too crazy for me trying to stay hydrated yeah i've got some water as well so if you had i had some uh, some spirits available but if you were going to partake I'd, I'd toast with you but we'll just uh, we'll stick to the the old-fashioned hydration and and smoke some ace together here so uh, i'm yeah. looking forward to this man i i, I robusto i i keep getting asked that and i've always i've always kind of said that robustos and coronas are my favorite size and i think my corona i think coronas are like what I'm in love with, but I think I smoke more Robustas than anything else. Yeah, I would say the same. What in, so what in your opinion, Bear, is the correct size of a Corona? Like what is your definition of a Corona size? Because I know oh. it varies depending on, you know, the brand or the person. What would you say your favorite? Is it like a 46? Is it thinner than that? I would have to say that, yeah, um, it's it's definitely smaller for me. Um, I I mean the the traditional size of a Corona is is five and five eighths by forty two, and so I would say that I'm pretty much on par with that. That's really uh, okay. Um, but I would say forty four, you know, is is fine. Forty six, something like that. Like forty eight, like that might as well be a robusto. Like yeah. like a like, you know that might that might as well be a robusta at that point if it's a forty eight because I mean a traditional robusta is five by fifty, so yeah. Um, well, this one's going to be a five by fifty two, so a little bit, a little bit uh, fatter than yeah. the five by fifty traditional robusto. But we've decided, um, with the exception of the crema in our line, most of our robustos are going to be that five by fifty two uh, size. Sorry, I'm just taking this first one in, enjoying the moment. Yeah. 
I don't think there's been this much silence on my show before, so it's kind of weirding people out a bit. <laughs> I could bring up something to talk about. What do you get? What, no, what, what, what notes are you getting? Bear, one of the things I always respected about you, because I've known you for a long time, is your palate is phenomenal. And every time that we had got together back in my days visiting Michael's, uh, you would just explain to me the craziest things, but they were all just mind-blowingly right. So what, what are you getting out of this? Well, the thing I, the, one of the things that I really like that's, that's still true in this size, and I mean, it's all about the tobacco at this point, right? But like, um, what I really like about the A is that the rustic nature of it. Um, the wrapper is very, you know, isn't, it's not, it's not like ridiculously toothy. It's not like a topographical map of like the Andes or anything like that, but like, it's just, it's, it's got some, it's got some nice tooth to it. It's got some nice rusticness to it. Um, I really kind of like that about it. The flavor that it kind of imparts to me, like the, OG, the, the, now we're talking about the OG and then I'll compare it to the Robusta here in a second, um, for, you know, the first couple of puffs here is that the OG kind of admits this kind of, um, campfire essence without like the barbecuiness of smoke, you know what I'm talking about? Like, so not that, like yeah. that sweet mesquite or, you know, pecan or anything like that, just like real hearty campfire to it. But but there's this underlying sweetness that you get, which is like it it balances out that kind of ruggedness of it a little bit, kind of smooths out the edges a little bit. That's why I really like the uh, the uh, the OG of uh, A. No, that's what I'm getting so far. Uh, you're right. I think um, I think pop is a pretty good definition of it. Like that's the spice, that pepper that is really prominent in the other uh, vitolas of uh, V A really kind of hits the the palate and then it really 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 resonates on the retrohale uh yeah in the first couple of puffs here so i'm uh yeah i can already notice difference here but i can taste that some i can taste those familiar flavors too which is really great so i'm gonna i want to enjoy this man i think i know it we we might have we might have found you a new size of uh one of your favorite cigars mm-hmm this one is the one I've been gravitating to since uh, we were able to get our hands on it. So um, <clears throat> it's been, uh, so what we did with this cigar this year, actually, we did it with two of them. We also have a Robusto size that came out in the Riata blend, uh, which is another popular mm. blend for us. Very, you know, lighter smoke, a little creamier. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we want to bring more traditional sizes to our portfolio over you know the near future, so these were kind of the two two of the first ones that we introduced as robustos to our line. And what we did is in the beginning part of this year is we would have them only available to pre-release events for our many for our retail partners. So the only way that you know the ambassadors or retail uh, store could get a hold of them is by hosting a McAuliffe event. <clears throat> so we did that for you know the first couple months of this year. And then that has now transitioned into another pre-release cigar, which we can get to a little later. Um, <clears throat> and the A Robusto, Riata Robusto, will officially be available to any retailer uh, starting in early April. <clears throat> so we're excited to get these on the shelves all over the place. But the feedback that we got on the Robustos, especially from a lot of the ambassadors, was fantastic. Uh, people were... Uh, post, you know, people that got their hands on were posting pictures on our group all day long. Uh, they they really, really, really enjoyed uh, these two new robustos, and I do too. 
Nice. Um, do you kind of get like the? I'm getting this really very prominent sweetness, like on the like on the finish on the retro. Like once you like expel all the smoke, it's just kind of this lingering sweetness. Like it's like dates. I don't know if you've eaten a lot of dates. I happen to love them, but like a date or a dry, like a dried dried fruit, like, yeah, like, like dried, dried like like a fig fruit. or yeah, like a plum prune, but not. I could, I could get that. I could get the plum, the plum prune notes off of it. Yeah, not as yeah, not as not as pruny. It's a terrible description. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's um, it's nice though. It, it's nice how it just kind of it just kind of lingers. That's really cool. This is good. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving these, uh, for getting this out to me, Annie, so we can enjoy them together. So appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. So um, as we kind of kick things off here, uh, before we kind of jump into our major point and everything, I did want to talk to you about a couple. First of all, congratulations, Mr. Norder, uh, uh, an engagement a couple months ago. So congratulations to you. So Thank fantastic. You. Thank you. Uh, but I, I also know that, like, and I said, you know, in my introduction, that it was like kind of a welcome home of sorts. Uh, you called Texas home for quite a long time, um, but Nashville has been your home for, I mean, it's a, is it coming on about the same amount of time or you were, like, how much longer were you in Texas? Actually, than- I was in Texas about nine years. Okay. Uh, but not all of that was in the cigar industry. I got into the cigar industry after I had already kind of settled down in Texas. Uh, prior to that, I worked for Hilton. And, you know, managing hotels and stuff and made the transition. And then I was in, so I know this, I was in my house for five months and, or no, five years and one month exactly. Okay. Because that house that I owned in Ulyss. And then prior to that, I lived in Texas for another three and a half years in various apartments or what have you. So it was, it was eight, eight and change, maybe eight and a half years to be exact. And you've been and in Nash- moved, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I moved here. It'll be another five weeks from now. It'll be five years. Okay. So it's getting, it's gotten further along. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think we'd kind of, kind of hit that equal ways point. Um, no. But this is your second stint in Nashville. Am I, am I correct? So yeah, prior to living in Texas, I lived in Nashville for a year. And that was part of my Hilton journey. Uh, that took me out of Florida up here for a hotel. And then it took me to, to Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, so, you, yeah. Go ahead. What, oh, I was going to say, what do you miss most? What do you miss most about living in Texas? Cause I know you the travel food. quite a bit still the food, the food. I, I mean, it's, it's easy. <laughs> the barbecue, <laughs> the barbecue, the food, the beef, everything, ever all the food in Texas is, is fantastic. And obviously I missed some friends that I made while I was there. Um, but the food was just phenomenal. And I haven't found, I mean, I'm, I'm always searching for comparable barbecue or comparable steak to what I enjoyed in, in Texas. And I just, I don't, I don't find it. It's very hard to find. Uh, so I do miss, I do miss that. As far as the scenery, I, you know, it, I like, I like the scenery here in Nashville. It's the hills, the, the nature's a little bit more prominent here. That's a little bit more, you know, my style of things that I like to do in my free time. <laughs> but yeah, it's the food without a doubt. I mean, I, I grew up in El Paso, so that's beauty in a different way. I mean, it's desert, you know, 
which can be beautiful, but when you grow up and it's been 18 years in it, you know, you move to the DFW area and you're like, oh my God, the green's actually a color you see in nature, which is kind of cool. Uh, people have lawns. Like that, that was a really foreign concept to me too. Uh, but uh, as I went further east to, like you said, like I've visited Nashville a number of times and Kentucky and everything, like like the scenery, you're absolutely right, I think is, is just gorgeous. And uh, I think, I think there are parts of, of like the hill country that I, I consider absolutely breathtaking and probably yeah. my favorite parts of Texas. Um, uh, I agree. But, but the Nashville, Kentucky, like the, the Tennessee, Kentucky area to me is, I think has some of the most beautiful parts of this country that I've been in. So for sure. Believe it or not. Um, I actually liked visiting El Paso when I would go out there for, for sales calls with the previous company. Oh, it's a great Uh, place to visit, man. (laughs) Yeah. The people out there were fantastic, super friendly. I love the damn, what is it? The star on the side of the mountain. I thought that was so freaking cool at night, but yeah, I don't know if I could live there, but it was, it was like you said, it was a fun place to visit. Yeah. But yeah, it's night and day between El Paso and Dallas. I mean, it's so funny to tell people that El Paso is actually closer to the Pacific ocean than it is to the metroplex yes and it's still in texas mm-hmm. so that's yeah, crazy and i've made i've made that drive three or four times from dfw to el paso and it's it's quite a trip more <laughs> times than i can count i've done that it's crazy how many times yeah I've done i don't that in my... i don't i i have sympathy for you for doing it more than i have so that's but uh do you know why quick quick cool little history lesson do you know why the 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 star why that exists no i've always i've always wanted to know the story behind it so they originally had it for uh to uh that they kept it lit uh until soldiers returned home from the persian gulf that was why that was why it was originally started and then how it stays lit now so they and then once the once the soldiers returned they uh they kept it lit for so like you can actually and it's actually still pretty reasonable. I, I, I checked it out the other day for some of the reasons because I just wanted to see like what inflation had done to it. But it, it's it's remarkably reasonable to actually keep that star lit for the night. And you can do it in honor of or in memory of like, you know, like, hey, I, you know, this is for my buddy, Andy. It's his birthday today. You know, that's in honor of it, you know, and they announced it on the new on all the news networks still like, hey, the star is being lit, you know, tonight for in honor of Andy Yaffe and his birthday. So it's not normally always lit? No, it is. No, the streak is, yeah, the streak is very, the streak is very much alive. Oh, okay. They'll just say tonight's designated to this certain event. What actually, what kind of light is it? I mean, have you been, can you go up to it? You can. I, 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 it's been so long. I was a child last time I was up there. I believe it's, it's gotta be electrical of some kind. It has to be. Um, I mean, there might yeah, be some solar component to it now, but I don't even know. But yeah, I mean, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I was a child the last time I was up there. Huh. Cool. That's a cool yeah. story. Yeah. So, uh, what? Well, let's get a little bit into your story here. Uh, and so, as always, our major point is always brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, a people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well. 
Maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So, Andy, we, we took a little bit, we took a little bit of time there to talk a little bit about your journey. You, you know, you mentioned you had been in hospitality and everything like that. So I know your journey with cigars, at least, you know, might have started at your days at UCF. That's where you met our, our mutual friend, John Carney. And that's how you got into the cigar industry, which we'll get to in just a second. Is that when you had your first cigar was in college or did you have it prior in high school or not? Even, or am I completely off? Did you have it later? No, the first cigar was prior in high school. Actually, it was just one of those things. My best friend growing up, his his uh, dad was a big cigar smoker, and he just always kind of was interested in it, and he dabbled a little bit in it. And we said, you know, when we're 18, we want to get into this or at least experiment with it. We didn't really know what we were getting into yet. It just looked right. It looked cool. It looked fun. It looked elegant uh, just to watch people smoke cigars, and it smelled good. So we, we went and purchased, uh, you know, they no longer exist. It's called a Heaven Vanilla uh, and smoked it on oh, New yeah. Smyrna Beach uh, with a six pack of root beer. Uh, and that was my first cigar experience. And we, I mean, we thought it was, we, we just thought it was awesome. <laughs> but we didn't know any better. Like we were like, man, we want another one. So we went to 7-Eleven and grabbed it. I think it was a Swisher Sweet. Uh, that was sitting there and we lit that up and like, oh, this is completely different. <laughs> so we learned real quick the difference between premium and uh, machine made. Uh, but, you know, that was my first my first dive in. It took a, it took a while for me to graduate from flavored cigars to, you know, non flavored cigars. But it was just it was just a progression over over time. It became easily one of our favorite hobbies to do uh, when we were off, you know. After a long day of school, let's smoke a cigar on the weekends. Let's get together, have a cigar and catch up. And it just became a way of life for, you know, for me. I never realized at the time it would become this kind of way of life. It was more of a, you know, once a week thing. <clears throat> but now it's, I mean, that was the beginning of it all. Yeah, I, I, I smoked pretty, I started smoking regularly pretty early on, um, and yeah, I, I smoked a lot of, I smoked a lot of machine made just cause that's all I could afford, uh, you know, early on, but my first cigar actually was a premium cigar. It was a Fonseca, believe it or not. Uh, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then, but as you know, the story, my, my audience does too, like La Florida Minicana was my first like foray into like the premium, like what I call my first introduction to the premium cigar realm. Cause it was like, I had had other premium cigars, but it was like, this is this is it this is and it different. was yeah yeah this is different and it was it was i was like i call it that was that was my calling at the moment and that's the reason i'm here and it was your you know, i always predecessors yeah, was, predecessors predecessor jack sandlin who got me into it i miss jack i haven't heard that name in a little while right <clears throat> good dude uh you know when i first started dabbling into the non-flavored stuff it was more La Roma de Cuba was one that stood out to me. We smoked a lot of Olivas. Uh, I always thought LFD was was way too strong when I would try them before you know before I ended up working for them. Uh, I I didn't really care for them to be oh. honest. I mean I grew I grew to really really love them, 
but right. in the you know in the early days it wasn't something i gravitated towards i just thought they were too much for me but um you know i'm 180 on that thought now <laughs> well this was so this was early 2000s so this is the single hero not the double hero the original hero oh yeah and it now i can yeah. smoke that for breakfast and i think it's fantastic but that thing fucking kicked my ass man like that was that was a that was a yeah that was an awakening uh and i was like i, I want more of this the double, I didn't think, I don't think they came out till 05, 06. Yeah, it was a few years later. I, I didn't graduate high school till 02. So that was all when I was still in my discovery phase mm -hmm. for uh, for cigars. Yeah, we graduated the same year. So yeah, it was like my freshman year at TCU. I walked into Pop Safari, which, you know, unfortunately, uh, Perry Tong is no longer with us and Pops is no longer oh, with us. Sad. So sad. And that... That was the that was the that was the moment, man. It was crazy. And you you worked for him for a little bit. Didn't I did. You? I did. I yeah. Yeah. He was he was literally one of the most interesting men in the world. He really was. Like, there wasn't a thing that I don't think he ever ex didn't experience. Like he experienced like everything. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, he truly was like seriously. Like could have just had him to do the Dos Equis commercials, and I think it would have been fine. Like oh good. yeah. And it would, I think it would have been real, but uh, what real, real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the cigar journey part. Like what you, you went into college for hospitality and that was your first, first career, you know? So mm -hmm. like, so why, what was it about hospitality or the hotel business or that kind of, that spoke to you early on? You know, I think a lot of it was my family was big on taking family trips and family vacations. And, you know, you grow up in Orlando, you're entrenched and surrounded by hospitality. Uh, you got Disney there, all the hotels, restaurants, I mean, everything, guest service, customer service. It's, it's the Mecca of customer service. And, you know, in the United States, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, I just always had an interest in how it works, like how hotels work. Originally, I wanted to go into restaurants. However, I have a really bad shellfish allergy. So I learned pretty early that I couldn't chase a restaurant dream because uh, I couldn't be around shellfish. Uh, oh, it's that bad. Just, oh, yeah. I can't, be, I can't be in a kitchen while you're cooking shellfish. I'll, I'll, my lungs will shut down. Duly, duly <laughs> noted. Okay. All yeah. right. Next time you're in town, I won't be making that or yeah, no, I won't no admit. <laughs> so I jumped into hotels. I got, you know, I just got a me and my buddy, my best friend, the same guy. We got a front desk job at uh, the Westin Grand Bohemian in downtown Orlando, which is it's a high upscale luxury hotel. Uh, and we I, I just love the whole guest service thing. I love the culture. I love the benefits of getting, you know, free hotel rooms. I love I've always been a travel freak. So I just, I went for that and went to school for it and, you know, graduated and got into an MIT program. And that's what took me, you know, on the journey that I went on with Hilton. That's awesome. Um, everyone's giving crap, giving us crap, Andy, because they're, we're making them feel old. I want to, I want to put it, I want to put another number out here for you people. So Andy and I started smoking when we were 18 years old. We've actually been smoking longer than William Cooper of Cigar Coop. So I just want to put that out there. He didn't Ooh. have it. So I've been smoking cigars longer than Coop. 
you know, I, you know, you know, another way to think about it too, Bear. We've been smoking cigars longer than we haven't been smoking. Cigars yeah, that's 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 uh, that's also true. Yeah, crazy. Yes. <laughs> um, and my mother still talks to me about quitting. So. <laughs> oh goodness, I, yeah. I, I I could go through all these stories about people that think, you know, you shouldn't be smoking. Well, she also thinks I should shave because I'm so handsome. I was like, mom, how do you even remember? I've had facial hair since I was 13, which is, again, to your point, I've had facial hair longer than I didn't have facial hair. So <laughs> I don't get it, but I digress. <laughs> so, yeah. so you get you get into the cigar business with La Florida Vinicata, like we had talked about. Uh, again, I, and we've told the story a couple on a couple of shows. I was there the day you got the job at Michael's Tobacco Viewless. Or I don't think you were hired there. You were hired pre, like at another location. You guys came there to celebrate. It was the same. Yeah, it was the yeah. same week, basically. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, and then you you, uh, you go through a great tenure with them, and then you decide to make a change, uh, both uh, by company and geography. You you move mm-hmm. you move back to you know where you called what you had called home years earlier, Nashville, and you uh, start working for uh, for Nat Sherman. Um, now was there another? I can't remember. Was there, did you go for Nat Sherman or was there another job in between? I can't, I can't remember. No, it was, it was a straight transition from LFD to Nat Sherman. Uh, there was uh, my ex-wife and I had an opportunity to come back here uh, for some, for work for her. And she, we were in a place where we needed a change and we took that change. And I, I remember talking to, you know, Carney about it. And he actually, you know, he actually supported it. Uh, he couldn't transfer me. He had somebody that was more than capable here to do the job. Uh, but he, you know, he helped me along the way with, with Michael Herklotz. And we made a trade straight transition from LFD to Nat Sherman on the, you know, the Southeast territory. When I moved over here, I had like two weeks off and then, went straight into training. Oh. I wondered then, if you just missed wearing a suit, you know. I missed wearing a suit. I don't I don't know if you had missed wearing it because that was the that was the uniform for Nat Sherman uh, reps, I remember. Is it like No, 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 yeah, yeah. I I remember that. Yeah, the for day one was I had to go shopping for ties. So actually, you know, it's funny. I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for like 4 months and you know, <laughs> r- it was in college. Actually, I think it was right out of college. I think everyone and worked for Enterprise for four months. I know, and, <laughs> and everybody, everybody runs. That was just an awful, awful job. And I remember when I went to run Enterprise, you have to wear a tie. Yeah. yeah, everyone has to wear a tie, and they want you to wear a coat. And that was the first time I ever really had to wear a tie, or or I had to get my own tie. When I worked at at the Grand Bohemian, they supplied you with a tie. Uh, this was the first job where I had to go find my own ties and actually for a little bit I was it was kind of a fun game for me to find fun colorful cool looking ties and I ended up collecting like 20 of them and then I quit enterprise because I hated it and they just sat in my closet for I don't know what was that eight nine years and all of a sudden I get with Nat Sherman I was like hey I got a use for all these ties again so I was able to bring them back out for uh, for the gig with Nat Sherman because uh, I mean you didn't have to wear black and white you could you, you just had to dress in a suit suit right. and tie uh, which did... I, I don't 
no offense to Nat Sherman, I don't personally love wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> I don't mind wearing a suit. Ties to me always get, I don't know, a little bit uncomfortable. My fiance is watching this right now and she's laughing because I'm making comments about ties and I told her I didn't want to wear a tie at my wedding. So <laughs> do you hate that much? Okay, there you go. <laughs> tracks. That tracks. Yeah. I um I've always enjoyed dressing up. I think the the one the one thing I hated I've hated about the last few years with COVID and everything and like working at home and stuff like that. I I don't wear normal clothes as much anymore. <laughs> so like um and so I've kind of become uncomfortable in like regular everyday clothes, which sucks. Like I don't wear pajamas to work or anything like that. I'm just usually in shorts and a, a t-shirt or a polo shirt or something like that. Like that's it, you know, nothing crazy. I don't mind dressing nice. Like I, I do enjoy like a nice button down collared shirt. I just don't like ties. And I think, I think a little bit of it has to do with the flashbacks to enterprise. I really do. No, I get that. I get that. The PTSD from that job where you had to sell your damn, did you said everybody worked for Enterprise. Did you work for Enterprise? Yeah, for about four months. Seriously, it was the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had nightmares about CDW for, <laughs> for years. Those of you who have worked for Enterprise watching this know exactly what CDW means. <laughs> uh, man, I, yeah. I, I thought I want to... They had this really attractive like manager track program that they like put everything everybody on and everybody on that's and, what i was on and yeah. then yeah it yeah now yeah. you had to go through like five brutal interviews just to even get into it yeah i've had some exhausting interview processes and uh one of them is the current job i hold now in my day job i went through a gaunt what i call the gauntlet uh and uh and that was that was ex i was exhausted at the end of it and like just exhausted and but that was like the, it, re it reminded me a lot of enterprise my brother works for the same <laughs> company too we both worked the same, uh, our day jobs are the same. We both worked for Enterprise too for a few months. He went through, again, both times, he went through the first, the process first. And when I got done with my interview at Service Autopot, where I work now, and he was like, uh, he's like, what was it like? I was like, you remember Enterprise rental car? He's like, I know, right? And I was like, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the gauntlet. So, um, <laughs> so fast forward. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I guess you were part of the, uh, I, for lack of a better term, the mass the mass exodus of North American reps, I believe, at at Nat Sherman, right? There was there was a transition period where they like a bunch of the reps went out, or was it is it was it around it wasn't around the time of the sale because you've been with McCall for a couple, few few years at this point. So what well, was there was there was always that that hanging cloud, and I I noticed it uh, you know right away with the Altria thing, and you know. Bless Michael Herklotz. He did a fantastic job continuing the legacy of Nat Sherman, even though there was that, that cloud that was following all of us. And I actually left prior to then offering severances and stuff. So I left first, and then I think some of the guys were offered a, um, you can either stay on board or you could get a severance. We don't know what basically is going to go on with the company. Uh, this is your opportunity. So um, my associate now, Brandon Luna, uh, he he took the severance. And I was maybe three weeks early on leaving Nat Sherman. Oh. I, didn't, yeah, I, I didn't get it. 
Uh, and I think, uh, I think Lafferty was the other one that, that took one. I don't know if it, you would call it a mass exodus. I, there was a couple guys that left. They tried to fill those roles, I think, with some of the cigarette guys because uh, they were trying to downsize that department too. Uh, but there was still about a year, what, two years maybe, between that situation and when they actually sold. Uh, they might have sold quicker if it weren't for COVID, but I, COVID might have delayed that. But it was, it was a good two years because then I, I was able to uh, try to get a couple of those guys on my team for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was after I had been elevated uh, to my current role. Yeah, so you started with McAuliffe uh, as a regional sales rep. Um, mm-hmm. I believe hired by your, your your predecessor Trey Andrews, who we both yeah. know from our uh, he's still in the cigar business too, which is great. Um, and then and then you you're elevated to your current role of uh, of national sales director. So um, I mean that was that was a pretty pretty rapid ascent for you. I mean that I mean was that like a lot of like drinking from a fire hose or like you know was it did they was it just that seamless of a transition that they that it was really comfortable for you? Cause you were working with so many, so many people that you had in the past and stuff. Well, no, it was, I mean, there was a little bit of comfort, comfortable reality or I can't even say the word, uh, you know, working with Luna. Uh, but you know, when we, when they elevated me, when we chose to elevate me and that was the beginning of 2020, uh, we had a lot of good plans. <clears throat> we had a good plan for the future. Uh, and we wanted to enact it right away. However, then COVID hit. So, you know, a lot of those plans for what we wanted to achieve in 2020, 2021 was kind of delayed a little bit. And, you know, where the drinking from the fire hose thing really came into play is the day that, you know, everybody was taken off the road. And, you know, we had to figure out a way to still be relevant and a way to still talk about McAuliffe cigars without actually being in front of people. So then, you know, that's when we started that, that all day, every day uh, video cast. I mean, we were basically newscasters or TV producers. Uh, we did that for two months. I, you were on one of our shows. Yeah. We did off the record. Uh, we did the McAuliffe madness. We had the McAuliffe morning show. We had the ambassador round table where we invited the consumers, the ambassadors onto our show to talk. I mean, that was, that was a lot because that was, that was nonstop six days a week. Uh, we were doing that. And, you know, after, after that and COVID, you know, ended and we were able to, you know, transition back on the road, you know, it, I mean, it was, it was still a lot, but I learned so much from the shows and talking to, you know, other people that were in my position with other companies. I learned a lot from those guys uh, when we were doing interviews, one of my biggest questions is like, you know, what can I learn from you? Uh, you've been doing this longer than I have. And that was very, very helpful. But, you know, this industry is is so ever changing. I don't know if you ever really feel settled into a position like this. Like you're always, you're always trying to, you know, get better. You're trying to progress. You're trying to get your team to do better. You're trying to, you know, get more consumers to try your product. Uh, it's, it's always, it's always evolving. So seamless transition. No, not really. <laughs> well, fast forward a couple of years through, through all of COVID you guys did, you know, we've talked about this in previous shows and everything. You guys did a fantastic job of engaging with your consumers. The ambassador program has taken off to, I mean, incredible heights, 
you guys have done some really really amazing stuff staying into, and and what's really great is that it's it's consumer focused but at the same time you're you're taking care of your customer which is actually the retailer in the same regard yeah. which is just terrific um you guys put out i i call i know it's not the appropriate but you guys put a mission statement i call it the man the mccallif manifesto that's my nickname for it but the i manifesto. but i but i but i love it because everything that you guys set out to do you did it and i mm-hmm. mean as as a as a retailer or as a consumer or as a, just a simply a fan, like, I mean, that's all you could ever ask from, from a company or from anyone. And you guys, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy, uh, but you did it and it was really, really terrific. So fast forward to this past summer, you guys returned to the show after a couple of year absence, right? COVID being problematic in there, but uh, it was all part of this plan. Yeah. So, I wanted to get your impression. So you, it was your first show as, as a member of McAuliffe. No, it? actually I was, I was at the, That's uh, right. You were just hired on. Show, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so but what I mean, our, like? our message, our message was completely different. Right. Right. <laughs> night and day then to, then to this year. Uh, back then, back then at, at I, you know, I had just kind of come on board. Uh, Dan Thompson had just come on board at that point in time. Amanda McAuliffe, still had not come on board at the 2019 show. And it was pretty obvious that we weren't preaching any type of direction or identity that we wanted to have in this industry at that time. And it was pretty evident. And, you know, Dan Thompson made the, you know, the decision with Al uh, and said, Hey, we're not going to go back to the show until we create that until we have something to preach. Um, you know, that was part of, that was part of the reason of backing out. And then, you know, COVID actually, you know, made it even easy, you know, that just gave us another year. Uh, but we felt ready last year in the beginning of the year, I, we felt ready to showcase an identity to showcase a direction that we want to take as a, as a company. And, you know, we had, we had set that up prior to that. It wasn't just the PCA where it was like, Hey, this is our coming out party. Like, you know, we had done the, we're not selling to big online anymore. Mm -hmm. We are going to engage in our, you know, in our consumers, we're going to do these um, ambassador gift cards to where they can spend, you know, we're, we're basically giving our consumers money to go spend it at their retailer uh with at your customers you know, yeah yeah they don't and they don't have to buy mccallif you know a lot of them do but they don't have to uh, we, there's no forcing of that and you know we we made sure to you know say it's like hey we're not spending you know we're spending our marketing dollars on that instead of just you know throwing up a page ad in a magazine that you know gets skimmed over uh that was that was we felt confident enough last year that we could set up the show and really preach that was where we were going and that was our identity. Mm-hmm. And I know you got a chance to go around. We kind of had this four pillar situation at the show where one of them was talking about not selling too big online. One of the pillars was talking about we're spending our marketing dollars with you. And then, you know, another thing that we were doing that we felt pretty good about showing off was we're rebranding. We, you know, we have this new logo that's fresh. We have this new Vista, you know, that we'll be using on these boxes. We have these new boxes. Um, All this stuff we felt really comfortable with uh, showcasing last year. And that was one of the main reasons we decided to go back to the show. And I'll tell you what, 
the benefits of being at that show last year are still showing today. I mean, we, mm. we had, we had a, um, <clears throat> we had a very good residual effect in Q, you know, Q4 and into Q1 on being at the show. And, you know, I think that was just the beginning. I mean, there's stuff that we're doing this year uh, that, you know, I'm just super excited to share. And unfortunately some of that stuff I can't speak of on the show yet. Uh, but it's, it's really exciting to see all the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears that we've, we've had to put in. It's finally going to come to fruition this year. Uh, and we're very, very excited about showing it off and, um, and growing as a company with our retailers and our, and our ambassadors. We love growing with them too. So I want to go back to the, the booth experience that you were just describing, because it was, and I call it an experience because it was, it was, it was the most unique setup um, that I've, I've, that I've seen, that I've experienced at a, at a trade show. Um, it was, I, 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 I it, it's, I, I don't even necessarily equivocate it to a journey, it, but it was in a sort of way, it, it was, it was more than that. It was kind of, and, and indoctrination sounds, has such negative connotation probably, but it kind of was, it was an indoctrination into the doctrine. Again, there's the, using a word to describe a word, I'm going to be on, I'm just going to keep doing that tonight, apparently, but it, it was, <laughs> you know, just really understanding the, the the philosophy like you said the direction the identity of what McAuliffe was going to be going forward and it was it, like I said it was the one of the most unique experiences it was one of my favorite and I had the opportunity to interview Dan it was one of my favorite interviews and probably the most unique interview that I've ever done in a trade show yeah um, it was like it was totally one-on-one I mean I got the chance to walk around a little bit it was the way the way he did it, like you said, it was kind of like it was like a story. It was like a mm-hmm. this is this is where we're going, like kind of like a timeline mm-hmm. of you know why we're here, where we're going, what you know what got us here, type deal. And um, I unfortunately <clears throat> I was you know I wish I could have done some of those walkarounds a little bit more with you guys, but I was you know helping out the guys and stuff like that on the sales floor. But damn you for doing I mean, your I, job, Andy. Damn you. <laughs> but the uh the whole the whole journey that we were taking our uh retailers on and our you know media press whoever came to the booth on uh was you know very very detailed about what we believe in and uh where we want to go as a company how we want to grow so i you know you weren't the only one to give us great feedback on on those four pillars <laughs> so it was uh very very fulfilling so this is something i've always wanted to ask you you know because you're we, we talked about how you, you were part of la florida minicana who has its own story you know fostered in the boom of the 90s which we weren't around for and then it became this 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 great thing that you that you again became part of that story but the identity was kind of already established it was already there and um Nat Sherman, you know, 80 plus years, of course, of story and family legacy to boot. And then now, but here's like, and it, it, this is, I, I always have trouble. I always have trouble remembering, and this is a good thing. I always have trouble remembering that McAuliffe is a new company that you guys yeah. haven't been around forever. Um, and I think that's a good thing um, because you guys have done such tremendous work at building the identity that you talk about, but what's it like? 
I mean, that, that, that's completely different than your other two experiences. And those two experiences were different from each other too, I realized, but this is way different. Oh, it's a different battle. Um, you know, this is the first brand that I've had to be a part of building. Um, <clears throat> there wasn't there, you know, when you say it doesn't feel like we're that old of a company that has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, we're doing a lot of these things, a lot of these shows, you know, another thing is we came out, you know, when the Gomez Sanchez family and, and Al partnered, there was what 16 different blends right off the bat. And everybody was like, what the heck is going on here? Like, who are these people? They've been around for a while. They have to have been around for a while, but no, you just have to attack it differently. When I was with LFD in the very beginning with LFD, we were still in a brand building stage, not anywhere like we're up with McAuliffe, but there was still some, um, you know, identity building some, you know, getting more consumers to try the product. And then when the bull hit number one, it was, you know, it just skyrocketed. It was a completely different story overnight. And it became more of a, you know, order taker, order taking or customer service oriented job. Uh, where this is, I had, you know, when I first got on with McAuliffe, 50, 60% of the stores I was going into had no idea what it was. They didn't know what McAuliffe was. And so you need to go in there and tell them the story, have them try the cigars. We have very, very high confidence in the quality of the cigars that we produce um, <clears throat> to where, you know, we feel like we can hand it out to people and they're going to enjoy it and be like, okay, uh, th these guys are going somewhere. Uh, but the, you know, like I told you, the identity crisis that was in the beginning with McAuliffe, that has been the most difficult thing to kind of change. And we're, we're, I think we're really close to having that 180 on what it was when I first came on board. But, you know, going in and facing that, you know, the first couple of years, they did it this way. It really didn't work out. It's not really, you know, what we wanted to do. It kind of got cloudy and muddled and that kind of thing. But this is what we're going to do now. And part of that, like you said, the mission statement was the first, you know, that was the first step. And, you know, now we can go into these retailers when we're trying to grow this brand with that statement of like, hey, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to, what we're going to do. And this Plus, is look what, what, look we what we've done. Look what we've done. Yeah, look, yeah. look what we've done. Look what we have. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a daily battle. To be, to be completely honest, there's still a lot of doubts in our brand out there because of mistakes that were made in the beginning. There's still a lot of doubt in our brand of, you know, what else, what actually can we create? What can we do that's like really, really going to grab the consumer base? You know, there's still, there's still some of that stuff. And, you know, I, we're, we're working on that. We're building that to where I feel like really soon we're going to have some of those answers. It just took a while to get to it because we had a lot to clean up and a lot to change uh, to have a different narrative out there. But, you know, the biggest thing with us in growing has been the fact that we don't want, we want to grow with the brick and mortars of this industry and not with the big online guys. We want mm -hmm. to grow with the backbone of the industry. We want to, um, we don't want to undercut them. We don't want to, you know, have money taken away from them by, uh, you know, someone who's selling our cigars for half price or, or what have you. And then we're going to take our ambassador group. And that's another thing that, you know, gets people to believe in us is we've built this army 
of ambassadors that show up at events that call random stores for for cigars when they post a picture on their on the ambassador page you know guys have created customers that they didn't know were out there <clears throat> so it's yeah it's been it's been a battle it really has and uh, but we're at a point now that i'm so excited about what's coming out in the next like 18 months that I haven't been at in, in, you know, since with the, I'm with the company, to be honest. So you talk about some of the challenges that, and I know you're, you're not far removed, but you're removed enough now in your current role where you're not visiting these brick and mortars and having those challenging conversations, like some of your reps are, but you did that for a while. Like what, like, what are some of the, like, what are some of the, if you if you don't mind sharing, like what are some of the like the the specific challenges that like what would a retailer say to you like I don't know if I want to place an order with you because X like what's the what's a popular or a common thing that you that your people hear that's easy most, to overcome with some of the stuff that you're talking about? Well, the most challenging answer you always get is I don't have shelf space. Like that's that's big. So you have to like convince them that you know you know, to make shelf space for you or why, why you, why, why no one comes in here asking for our cigars. And it's like, okay, well, this is why, like we have, we don't, we don't sell behind your back. We don't do this. We have this ambassador group that's here. We have this new packaging that's coming out. We have these great, you know, these great cigars in all different price points. I mean, it starts at the $5 Torcedor all the way up to like the Reserva we have something for every palette here. And it's, it's about selling them on, McAuliffe is a company that cares about the brick and mortar. And we put the brick and mortar first. That's, mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. And you know, a lot of complaints in the past was, hey, your portfolio scares me. It's 16 face, you know, 16 blends deep. Like, we recognize that and we, you know, we're taking steps to, to minimize it and focus on, you know, where we want to go in the future. Like we got, we retired the Grande Bold yeah. uh, beginning of this year. Uh, that was a step to get away from an influence of a, you know, of another person or company and just focus on what we can do and all, you know, what we can do in house. Uh, and it was also a way to minimize the you know, attention of the brand. Like another thing was um, we had some funky sizes that we're gonna be you know, discontinuing those as well. Uh, and just you know, focusing on making sure that we have the traditional sizes, the Toros, the Robustos. We're trying to make it less confusing for our retailers to partner with us. Um, <clears throat> and we have the ability, you know, we have the ability to do that with you know, our own factory down in Nicaragua. So those are some of the steps that we're taking to to make it you know more friendly for our retailers to uh, do business with us. So you mentioned a couple of things I wanted to go forward with. So you, you mentioned the retiring of the Grande Bold line, which was a I mean, make no mistake. I mean that that's a that was a pretty big sacrifice for you guys cuts, because I mean, it, it was, cuts our portfolio in half. It was I incredibly mean, was popular too. I love the Modafina, man. Like that, that, that cigar was good. That cigar was very good. I, I was so sad to see that that was going to go. I mean, I understand it, like what you're talking about. Um, well, believe it or not, too, the Grande Bold sales were 
dwindling quickly over the last few years. And that was another reason that we made that decision, um, you know, other than parts that, you know, we didn't have full control on what the final product that was being put on shelves was, that always was a, you know, a, a sticking point as well. But the sales of that smoke had dwindled um, over the last few years to where we felt comfortable enough that we can move on from that and fill in those gaps with stuff that we are a lot more confident about filling in those gaps with stuff okay. that we can make in our, in our factory. And we're going to be starting to uh, release stuff to make up for those blends that we're losing. Like the Modafina Brazilian wrapper. That's, I mean, that's not an easy blend to, to mimic. Uh, Brazilian wrappers are fantastic. You know, we're going to have to work on trying to find a way to, to get around that. Um, <clears throat> the Nicaraguan full, full body, uh, smoke that I thought to me was the fullest of the Grande Bold. Uh, we have something that we're working on now that's going to be, you know, full bodied. So there's going to be things that we're going to be doing to bring it out. It was just, mm -hmm. it was one of those things where it just, we needed to pull the plug and we sure. needed to do it to, to, you know, switch gauges to that direction that we're going to go into now. And, you know, also we saw it as an opportunity to, um, do some charitable work too, because we're going to be donating uh, everything that was left over. I don't know exactly how many sticks it was, but there's a good amount of sticks that we're donating to Cigars for Warriors. Oh, that's awesome. Um, those guys are going to freaking love that. And hey, guess what too? They're going to smoke those and know what McAuliffe is now. Uh, that's a good point. You know, those guys are big cigar smokers. So we're excited. I think, you know, currently we're, we're gathering all that up to send to them and uh, we'll probably be making, you know, a big deal about it when it actually goes out to the, out to the troops, but it was a tough decision because yes, there was a lot, you know, a lot of our ambassadors love the Grande Bolds. Uh, we, we have a few smoking to, those tonight. They mentioned it in the chat earlier. They were smoking some of those. So yeah, uh, probably we, you know, we were able to, to pass along some savings to our retailers uh, that, you know, would then allow them to pass some savings on to these ambassadors so that way they could they could stock up on the bolts for a little bit you know mm. but there's still you're like any cigar that goes out you're there's going to be bolts around for a little while i'm sure at some point i'll be doing scavenger hunts for some of these ambassadors uh, <laughs> to get them to get them some bolts but that's cool and i mean and another good thing is like we realized that you know it was a quick it was a quick decision uh, I don't know if you're familiar with our, you know, our passport program that we do, or, you know, this year we've kind of uh, changed it to more of a fave five program. You pick your five favorite sticks. I mean, they can use the Grande Bold. The ambassadors can do that this year. Uh, and it still counts because, you know, we're still, you know, it's, it's a bittersweet separation. Uh, but I think we had to do it for the future of our, for, of our company. And, and I don't mean to step on my toes because you were you were being pretty vague with it. So I, I apologize. I'm really not trying to overreach here, but I, I know that the STG was the one that was helping you with the Grande Bold line. Was that to further separate yourself from Big Box and again to rededicate yourself to what we were talking about, the the brick and mortar shops? Was that part of that in conjunction with making the portfolio less intimidating as we talked about too? I, I you know, I don't think there was a narrative that we wanted to have to say we're doing this to separate ourselves from, from STG because of the big box thing. I don't, I don't think that had anything to do with it. They weren't connected. It okay. was, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, look what we're doing. 
we're we're separating. We're getting rid of Grande Bold because we're just strengthening our separation. Uh, no, that that wasn't that wasn't the uh, the motive. Okay. So um, the we totally they, have we have ultimate respect uh, for those guys that are over there, and they they manufacture a lot of good cigars for a lot of different companies. Uh, and there's there's no love loss. We have the utmost respect for them. It was just a business decision that we that we had to make. Yeah, part of this identity that you're talking about, this new identity that you guys are pushing forward. So yeah, that makes sense. The um, the uh, where was I going with this? Dang it. The uh, the Grande Bulls were, were more kind of the value faced uh, forward, but the Torcedores and even the A's kind of, are, is that what you're talking about? Is that, do you think that really forced those sales to, you were talking about them dwindling, the Grande Bulls dwindling. Do you think these, because the Torcedores are incredibly popular. I remember from the tour, we're going to get to open houses here in a little bit. From the tour, you were talking about how that's like the, the Torcedor Churchill, I believe, is the number one seller, if I remember correctly. Um, on sticks, sticks on cigars size, yeah. on cigars yeah um and then the a you know how much fan of that i am personally so um it it could have you know the bold was unique because you had five different you had you had basically five different blends that were like a focus of the smoking experience in one way or another uh either it was like you're featuring the rapper the sumatras the matcha wrapper lajero you're focusing on there's a little extra lajero in there um I, you know i don't know if if the a and torcedor really took away from that i think it was more of the fact that we're growing as a company and our blends that are in our legacy portfolio have just become more popular uh and our ambassadors and consumers are just just taking more of those I, you know i don't think I don't think the A's and tours, I mean, it might've had a little bit to do with it, but I don't think that is the reason that the Grande Bold was, was on the decline. Well, what's something that's on the incline, we've talked about this uh, all throughout the show, there's the A, uh, what a, there's the uh, to be named, which of course became the original, what I call the OGA, which is uh, the church, you call it the, you guys call it the Churchill. Um, and then the Gordo is released. Then the lowercase a, which becomes incredibly yeah. sought after, the reps were carrying those around. You had to you had to know have a relationship with your rep to get one. Uh, yeah. I remember smoking that for the first time, it was just magic. And then now we're uh, now I'm, we're smoking the robusto together. I'm finishing it up here. I'll give my final thoughts here in a second. Um, I love that this blend has taken off, uh, and it's just it, I I love it. I mean, I even love it in the gordo, and I'm not a big gauge guy. Um, um, but it's, uh, I mean, it's just a, it's a fantastic, fantastic blend. And I mean, what a, what a, what a, what a price to the, to the, to the consumer and to, and to the retailer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, we, we, we hit a home run for, with this blend and, you know, I remember the TBN days when that first came out and we sold, what was it? 500 units and yes, under nuts. 40 and under 48 hours to, and a lot of them to retailers that, you know, we're just taking a chance on Macala for the first time. And then we were able to name it the A, which was a appreciation to the ambassador group. Unfortunately, we couldn't call it ambassador. We had to call it the A. Damn trade. Uh, 
but the uh, the blend itself has become incredibly mm -hmm. incredibly pop popular. The the lowercase a was a brilliant idea. I wish I could take credit of uh, <laughs> of I believe Dan Thompson who said, "Hey, we're going to have this cigar available only for the reps for a year." And ambassadors or consumers that want to try it have to go find their rep at their local shop or at an event or or what have you. And that really increased the popularity of that smoke to where when we released it, it was an immediate hit right off the bat. <clears throat> and now we're doing this Robusto. And I think that's, you know, probably going to close, you know, the line to just those four facings going forward. Um, but the Robusto was kind of the, the last final, the last final touch on that line, which we're all very, very proud of. And it's been, it's been a big, it's been a success for us. And we're, you know, we're excited for the future because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, clearly <laughs> not. Um, so I'm, I'm wrapping up my first experience with the Robusto. Um, so I, I, I will say this, I'm not ready to supplant my favorite of the Churchill yet. Um, I, I've smoked so many of those. It's kind of hard to just in my first experience to say, oh, this takes over. But I will say um, this has been tremendously enjoyable. Um, I think, I think you hit it right off the bat, man. This, this, this pops all the way through a really nice, consistent flavor all the way down a lot. This is a lot stronger. Um, there's a lot yeah. more strength to it. Uh, I would even say stronger than the lowercase a, which actually has a little bit more of that pop that we were talking about compared to the Churchill. The Gordo is a lot more subdued naturally, a bigger gauge, less wrapper um, and, uh, or, uh, and more filler to it and everything. But um, um what I do like about this in comparison to the lowercase a is this gives me that cooler smoke that the mm. Churchill and the Gordo give me, uh, despite it's, it's my, cause it's not that much bigger than the lowercase a and, but it is, I would say somewhat significantly smaller than the, the Churchill uh, and, yeah. and definitely the Gordo. Um, Love that sweetness that just hits that that kind of stays on the retro hill. It's kind of stay, again stayed consistent all the way through. I still get that kind of date prune that we were talking about. Um, the spice is just fantastic. Um, it's this really nice. I wouldn't call it like red pepper flake. It's not that sharp. It's more of like a it's more like a pink peppercorn. If anyone's familiar with that, uh, which has pink a nice pepper. yeah, and has a nice you know it's pepper but it has a little bit of a fruitiness to it, which I think is kind of like what I'm tasting on the retro ale uh, a little bit. Um, that rustic nature is still intact. You get that campfire, um, really great woodiness to it. And uh, um, and there's this underlying, that I didn't really get in the first third, definitely prominent in the other sizes, but I finally came back in the last third here uh, is this kind of, this kind of breadiness, like, uh, call it like a sourdough bread and it really really kind of balances that and when you think when you get to this point in the cigar which i'm very far down you think that's where it starts to get acrid mm -hmm. typically on on most cigar experiences it's just that's that's physics you know it's not nothing to do with the blend but this is still the very the flavors are still very much prominent without that 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 acridness and that sourness or that that ashy burn that you get with some with some cigars um uh, I, I've, I've said this before. I've even said this to Carney. Um, one of the most complex cigars 
that I've enjoyed that I enjoy smoking is the Capitoyo Dos, which was the second the second cigar that Tony did after the chapter one. Um, but man, if you smoke that too fast, that last third is just ruthless, man. It's just <laughs> man, it just hits the palate in all sorts of bad ways. You have to really slow down to enjoy that cigar because uh, it it'll it'll bite you in the end if you don't. But it's really good and complex. Back to this. Cigar. I agree. Yeah, back to the cigar. Uh, sorry to digress there, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it very much. Thank you so much for getting these out to me, Andy. Uh, it's been yeah. a real pleasure smoking it with you tonight. So thank you. I've got another one here. I might light up one of the McDow- the McDalias. Um, That's what I was going to go with next. Which uh, brings me to a, an interesting point about Vitolas. So I love the McDalia blend and everything, but I think the original Vitola. The petite, I think of the petite robusto. It just didn't hit like, for me. Really? Okay. It, yeah, but I love it in all the other ones. Love it in the Corona, the Toro, this 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 one too that I'm about to smoke. The 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 uh, um the SE special edition. Yeah. yeah, I've had it before. Really good, and I don't know what it is about. I mean, it some some vitolas just don't hit you, but it that's a really versatile blend too. Clearly, I think it's our most. I think it's our most complex that we have that's just my opinion because i get yeah. some nice sweetness and spice from the tobacco uh, you know we use a you know habano wrapper on there and there's actually a sumatra binder so you get you get that little back and forth i think in the flavor profile as you smoke it down so uh, the medallia is definitely a fan favorite too uh, the ambassadors all love it it's you know, it's pro- it, it is our best seller out of our, you know, our core legacy line. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just it's just such a unique cigar. I mean, you know, McDalia, who's the matriarch of the Gomez Sanchez family. She's the one that blended it. Uh, she's got years experience working for Castro and rolling, you know, rolling cigars in Mexico. And she just has a fantastic palate to be able to put that out for us. And, you know, with the SC, we kind of put a little extra like priming, extra prime leaves in that one to bring out a little bit more of that flavor and uh, robustness on that SC because that's a special cigar for us. What I love about the McDowell SC particularly, there's this brightness to it. You talk about complex. I completely agree. There's this bright citrusness that melds with like a caramel deep sweetness it's like grapefruit caramel and like there's this leather component that's like the like the base foundation of it and that sounds really weird but the way it combines it it, yeah it 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 works it just works and it's 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 delightful it really is so i'm getting like excited now my pal's getting excited now i'm about to light that up and just just so just so everybody knows because there's some confusion a little bit. The Medallia that's in the collector's edition is not the same as the ST. Those are two different, different smokes. So there's a lot of people out there that get confused and think that the Medallia SC is in the collector's edition. No, they're two, they're two separate, two separate blends. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, basically it's the same blend, but it's two separate cigars. Gotcha. <clears throat> gotcha. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap up some things on 
McAuliffe in just a second, but I did want to take a turn. We're going to go into a couple of our fun segments for the night. Um, and that, of course, is our first one is our presidential trivia segment. So don't worry. Uh, we are going to take you back to school, Andy, but don't worry. It's multiple choice. So um, <laughs> this is uh, our segment which is always brought to you by United Cigars. Uh, uh, featuring La Gian Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabe, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Now, Andy, uh, you obviously share a... Uh... Now, is it Andy? Is Andy your name or is it Andrew? I've always... So on the birth certificate, it's Andrew, but I've always gone by Andy. You've always been Andy? Okay. Yeah. Um, so in that case, you, you actually do share a uh, first name with a couple of our presidents. Uh, and while as colorful as Andrew Jackson has been, uh, uh, I've probably talked about him way too much in this segment, I, but he's just a very entertaining figure in history. Uh, but equally so, uh, the other uh, Andrew, Andrew Johnson, um, successor to Abraham Lincoln, also has a very very interesting uh, background as well. And so uh, this is a multiple choice question and it's, this is pretty straightforward, uh, which is not, which is not true about president Andrew Johnson. Okay. Okay. So a, he was almost assassinated the same night as Abraham Lincoln. B, he never attended school. C, he bought Alaska. D, was never voted to public office again after almost being impeached and then leaving the White House at, at the end of his presidency. It would go with D. And that is correct. That's correct. Why'd you go with that one? Because it was the only one that didn't sound outrageous enough to be true. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I had it, no idea he bought Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was commonly referred to as like in the history, the history books, it's commonly referred to as Stewart's, uh, as Seward's folly. So uh, William Seward was oh, okay. uh, the secretary of state for, for Abraham Lincoln. And then he actually, he was actually in Johnson's cabinet as well, obviously changed roles, but he was the one who really, really saw the, the opportunity with Alaska or Alaska. And I mean, uh, what ended up being, I mean, a land of, of, of incredible opportunity. I mean, first the gold rush in the late 1800s and then what the oil reserves that, that that state has given this country as well has just been, I mean, definitely, definitely paid back on that original investment, man. I mean, that's, that's pretty killer. So um, what he was able to do. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, he was almost, he was almost killed the same night as Lincoln, which is a, which was a great story. I, I had heard that one before <clears throat> that he was almost killed that night. The other two, did not go to school in uh, Alaska. Just didn't fit with that last one. <laughs> yeah, not going to school. That was pretty crazy. Like he he never actually attended school. He was a he he was a a, a tailor's apprentice was probably the only thing that he ever. But he never set foot in the schoolroom, never. And yeah, so he became a tailor, and then he actually developed into a real estate developer in Tennessee, um, where that's where he got money. And then he eventually like rose to rose to power in politics in Tennessee. Eventually became like the mayor of Greenville, uh, then became, you know, a congressman, then the governor, then a senator. And he was actually in the Senate when the state seceded. And he was one of the only Southerners that that stuck around. Like he was actually, a, you know, he was a unionist. I mean, like the, his state seceded from the union and he stuck around. Like he was actually a Lincoln supporter, uh, which put him in a, 
you know, this really, really crazy position, like, cause a lot of Northerners saw him as a, as a, as a hero. And obviously he was a traitor to the South. So, um, which just, you know, put him in a really, really awkward position, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, really yeah. interesting, really interesting figure in history. Um, the, uh, the thing that I think was, uh, the, he, he actually was not attacked that night. He was supposed to, uh, um, it was Azeroth was, uh, George Azeroth was the, 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 the co-conspirator that later admit to that was his, that was supposed to be his role. And he actually never went through with it. He, he chickened out essentially for lack of a better term oh. and went on, went for a walk. His cohorts, uh, speaking of Seward, uh, to like, uh, almost stabbed him to death. And then of course, you know, John Wilkes Booth was successful, uh, in, in assassinating, but Seward, Seward survived a, a terrible attack. Um, and then, but yeah, um, Johnson got off completely scot-free because his would-be assassin chickened out. But um, funny. Yeah. yeah, to go back to Alaska though, seven point two million. Uh, I don't know what that. Equi- someone could probably Google what that. I didn't, but someone can probably Google what that would be in today's dollars. But seven point two million to buy Alaska from Russia. Seven, like not seventy. Seven. Seven. Yeah, seven point two. Wow. So you ask you ask these presidential trivia questions to all your guests, right? Mm-hmm. What what percentage of cigar guys are knowledgeable on this stuff? Uh, but very little. Oh, okay. hey, this is like okay. totally my thing. Like Oliver and I got together on this, and and uh, it's something that I have a I'm pretty pretty much obsessed with. Uh, Miguel Shadell uh, of Crown Heads is him and I that we're, we we share that love. Uh, for for the executive branch for this country we love we love presidential trivia it's just something we've always just really really from from the moment i met him we, we've kind of shared and everything and it kind of blossomed into this thing and then oliver's like well, why don't you do a trivia segment i was like okay sign me up you know and and we do it on we do it on cigar coop primetime special edition we do a little twist on that i asked my guest the question on this show coop asks me the question on our show and he ch- the, the whole point is to try and stump me Back check. Um, okay yeah and uh, he's taken some, he's taken some, uh, some, um, some, uh, some advice from, from, from some of our fans and Jay Davis, who's watching right now, gave me a, gave me a man, gave me a humdinger one time. That was, that was crazy. It was named all the States that were admitted to the union during George Washington's presidency. I was like, geez, man, like, or, or prior to like, it was nuts. I was like, oh my gosh, I had to go through that. Uh, that was, that was really difficult. Um it's nuts, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's something that I enjoy. It's it a little a little break in between, and and you get to we get to talk about our our nation, you know, the history of our nation's leaders, which is is cool. They're they're incredibly interesting people, man. It's like you have, I've said this before, you have to be the craziest person alive to want to be president of the United States. You have to. Yeah, be. I would agree. You have to be nuts because mm-hmm. at any given moment, no matter who you are, no matter what party affiliation or what your agenda is or whatever you are loved by half the nation and you're hated by half the nation. It's that simple. Yep. And that, that you just have to be nuts to get up every day to go to work and knowing that like half the people in the world hate you. And then half the people love you. It's just nuts. <laughs> so, but, I couldn't do it. No, no, me neither. It's probably why I love it so much, but that was, uh, that was our presidential trivia segment, which is of course is brought to you by United cigars. 
featuring La Gianna Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. We're going to smoke one today and start living united. Now, fast forward a couple months, folks. We're actually going to be doing uh, 20 days of United. So um, from June, uh, from Flag Day, June 14th to July 4th is exactly 20 days. And so celebrating our nation's Flag Day and then our nation's Independence Day. Uh, we'll be doing a really cool campaign um, celebrating United Scars for those 20 days. So it's uh, really something we'll talk to you, talk to you all more about it in the coming weeks and months. But it's something I'm pretty excited about um, at that the United Cigars is uh, that is we're going to be doing. So it's pretty cool stuff. So um, but another fun segment that we have is, of course, is our charity segment. Now, Andy, you, you, I don't um, you haven't been a part of this yet. Um, something mm-hmm. I've done for the last couple of years now and uh, where you know i asked my guest for a charity of their choosing or nonprofit of their choosing that they want to talk about and man i gotta say i loved i loved your pick um what a what a fabulous organization the the old friends senior dog sanctuary um and uh but uh so i'll, I'll give you the floor a little bit to talk about why this uh, why this is uh something you wanted to chat about tonight so it's actually, it's a local charity here. I believe it's in Mount Juliet area on the south side of Nashville. That's correct. Uh, what, what they do is they adopt older uh, dogs and basically set them up on a kind of like a, a retreat or like a luxurious lifestyle that they can have for the rest of their days until, until they pass. And it's, you know, it's usually a way of saving some older dogs that might have been um, disregarded by their owners at some point, and then otherwise they would have been euthanized. So these guys go to, you know, go to the different uh, pounds and adoption places and, and adopt them and, and make sure that they live the rest of their days in, in good health and, and happy. So I, I, think that's, I think that's really cool. I'm a, I'm a dog person. Uh, Mary, uh, the fiance is a big dog person. She was talking highly about this uh, organization as well. So uh, I felt like it was a good thing to spotlight. Yeah, I put some the website in the chat. And then also, if you're, you know, feel called to do so, you can feel free to donate. I'll be making a donation later tonight uh, in your uh, in your honor, Andy. So thank you so thank much you. Uh, for bringing this in. I, I'm a dog person as well. Uh, my dog, Molly, is, as always, uh, every 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 take she is down here at my feet she's asleep right now um Aww. and um she's also a rescue too she's she is far from being a senior though she's a pup she just turned two back in january so she's pretty she's pretty young a long I, life i loved i love this this what i was reading about this organization i mean just fantastic not only do they find foster homes for these senior dogs that you know like you said would have you know been euthanized or you know um, you know, other unfortunate uh, ends for them, but they also take care of the organization takes care of all the medical expenses. Till, yeah. That's till the crazy. Very, it's nuts. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you, you mentioned they are in the Mount Juliet area, which is right there in the national. So you have to, that one is, this is one of the requirements. So if you want to be, uh, I love what they call it geezer guardians is what they call their foster yeah, parents geezer guardians, geezer guardians. <laughs> if you uh, if you become a geezer guardian 
for old friends, you have to live within a hundred mile radius of Mount Juliet so that you can, so obviously the dog can uh, remain and see the in-house uh, veterinarian and everything. And just, um, but everything is taken care of for these animals for to live their, 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 their twilight, you know, in a loving, in a loving home. I saw some of the requirements for geezer guardians that you have to, you know, it has to be an indoor dog. You can't, and, and just a bunch of things to ensure that, you know, a dog lives, uh, you know, a, a terrific loved happy, life. For the rest, life. Of, yeah. For the rest of its years. It's beautiful. Um, I wish I lived closer, man. I would, I would definitely be looking into this. I don't know if I could, um, I mean, <laughs> but because I, I don't know when I lost my dog a couple of years ago, um, I had had her for, you know, 16 years and uh, that was, yeah, you get attached right away. That was rough, man. That was rough. So, I mean, yeah, loving a dog for a couple of years or so would, um, and then having to say goodbye would probably be pretty brutal for me, but it's so, this is such a wonderful, wonderful organization. And um, I mean, have you guys thought, have you, have you and uh, Mary thought about becoming geezer guardians? Currently, with our living situation, it wouldn't really work out, but, uh, you know, possibly, maybe uh, later this year, after we get our own place together, but yeah, definitely would be open for it. Beautiful. What a great organization. Andy, thank you so much. I I love this segment because we get so many different, um, we get so many different, uh, different causes um, and stuff, and, you know, dogs are a pretty popular topic that come up, especially when we have Pete Johnson on, but. Um, this is this is one of the most unique ones. So thank you, thank you so much. I like it. I don't. Yeah. I I haven't been on a show that did anything like that. So that was a good 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 idea. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you get to learn a lot about what you know people care about, and these are some terrific causes. And um, I always told people. I used to tell people, I'm like, I only have one veto, um, uh, just because my wife would my wife wouldn't be too happy with me if I allowed it. Um, but I don't think anyone's ever going to pick it. It's PETA, by the way, for people who are future guests, oh, don't, geez. don't pick PETA. That's my veto. Um, so, uh, not going to digress into why that's a bad thing, but, um, my wife wouldn't be happy period. Um, my wife, the zookeeper would not be happy. So, um, but, uh, but uh, let's go back into a little bit more about McAuliffe, and then we've got a few more segments to kind of close out the night here, Andy. So, um, you know, you, we've talked a little bit about some of the new, the new releases and everything, but you wanted to talk uh, in particular, you've taken a recent trip, and it was actually your first trip down to the facilities in Nicaragua where McAuliffe's uh, cigars are made. So talk a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, what that, now this is your first, this was your first trip to Nicaragua, so that was a completely great experience and unique experience yeah, together. Just, just that alone. Yeah. Well, I've been to Dominican a few times with uh, La Florida Minicana, but this was the first time going to Nicaragua. And uh, yeah, there's a big difference. Um, you know, one of the biggest differences is you get off the plane and to get to Esteli, you're taking a two to four hour, depending on what you're running into <laughs> on the road, trip to Esteli. So like, you know, when you would fly to Santiago, in Dominican, I could be in Tamboril within 20 minutes, <laughs> where that's not the case in Nicaragua. So you get, you have all this excitement, you get down there, you're getting off the plane, and then you get in a truck to drive a good three hours to get to uh, to your location. But, you know, one thing, Bear, one of the reasons I wanted to touch on this a little bit is because there's still a lot of people out there in this industry that don't realize 
that we have our own factory, that we manufacture all the, you know, all the cigars that are coming out with the McAuliffe name, you know, from here on are going to be manufactured at our own factory, uh, which is a, you know, a wonderful establishment. I had only seen pictures. I know some of you guys follow me on Facebook. Um, when I got down there, I just took endless amounts of pictures of the factory and put them on my Facebook page. Uh, some of the guys were really appreciated that I did that, but I mean, we, we, we do everything from buying the tobacco to, you know, putting it in the cellophane in the box and putting it out there. And actually recently uh, we acquired some acreage in the Condega field uh, Valley as well of Nicaragua, which was another part of our trip. Uh, we got to go over there and see our plot of land where we're growing a lot of tobacco there, you know, for future, you know, binder filler. And, you know, the curing barn that we secured over there too was, was pretty cool. And I mean, all that's, all that's in process. So, you know, down there we have, uh, you know, Alan Davis is the president of the factory. Uh, he's actually worked for Al McAuliffe for years uh, in, you know, a little bit of all of his businesses. Uh, but he, he has done a fantastic job down there of setting it up for us to grow, um, you know, we took over, you know, an old factory. Some people say uh, at one point it was the old Davidoff Nicaragua factory. I'm not sure if that is confirmed or not yet, but, you know, we have a beautiful, you know, you come in, you get the beautiful courtyard, you got an apartment <clears throat> with a couple different floors, three floors of, of living spaces. And then, you know, you, to the right, you got the, or to the left, you got the offices, then you go into the right and you go into the rolling room. You know, we have, a room that could probably, I think it could probably fit about 70 rollers if it was full. Um, you know, right now we didn't have 70 on, on staff for what we were building currently. Uh, but we have, you know, that situation, Joel Gomez, who is the third generation of the Gomez Sanchez family, uh, is the one basically running the factory when Alan's not there. Uh, and his brother Adele is also there, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, they got the, <clears throat> all the rolling areas right there. We have plenty of rooms where we're stacked. You know, we have bales of tobacco stacked, stacked high from, uh, from Mexico, from Alapa, from Condega, from different areas around the, uh, you know, around the world <laughs> where we have plenty of tobacco for future use. Um, you know, it, it was a straight up full on factory. They, you know, the pylon, we had pylons that they were rotating for future reference, we were putting, you know, all sorts of stuff together for the future. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that, you know, we actually have a factory and we construct everything that has to do with our cigars. And a lot of people, you know, I get a, I get that question every week, who makes your cigars? But we do, we make our cigars and, you know, we've started putting a lot more content out there about our factory, showing off what we do down there. Um, when I was down there, we, we did a lot of filming uh, for future content, uh, which I am so excited to share with the ambassadors and retailers and, and you bear uh, when, you know, when it's ready, but <clears throat> we're really going to ramp up our focus of the factory, uh, you know, for the rest of this year and so on and so forth. Uh, one thing that we're, you know, we're testing right now uh, in kind of a beta phase is we put together like a tobacconist program uh, that 
my sellers can go to retail shops and have their tobacconists go through a guided program on Facebook and learn all about our cigars and kind of take a virtual tour of our factory and all that other stuff. So we're putting a lot of resources in this year to showing off uh, the factory and, and the farm that we have now, which is gorgeous, by the way. That's awesome. Wait, um, so uh, was it just you solo on this trip or did anyone else from the team join you? So Austin, uh, which was a coworker of yours at one point, Mm -hmm. uh, and is our Carolina Mid-Atlantic uh, sales manager. Uh, he was with me on the trip. He actually won a contest last year uh, to be the first seller to go down on the trip. So oh, congrats, that man. was his kind of ticket in. Uh, so him and I went, you know, him and I went down there and we, uh, we just did, you know, we did everything all the filming, we went to our box. We have, you know, we have a good relationship with the local box factory. Uh, we get our cigar bands made at cigar rings that so we were able to see, you know, those operations as well, which I hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, even with my time in, you know, LFD, we, we saw a lot of the farm and factory, but we got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. That's awesome. Um, now, I know you guys are working on some projects that you said earlier that you not necessarily can't talk about at this point, but I mean, when, uh, when are, when are we projecting that some of those releases will be available? Is it this year, 2023, early 2024? I'm sure all of the above. I mean, what, what are, yeah, what... all the, all the above, all of the above, okay. um, you know, the first focus on the first half of the year was the one you just smoked, the McAuliffe Robusto. Uh, the Riata Robusto, and then now, you know, with the Great Smoke, the big unveiling of the new Leenda Vitolas uh, that are outside of a coffin and a little bit more price friendly uh, for people that really enjoy that blend. Uh, and then, you know, after that, we're going to have some, you know, some of that magic that I'm talking about uh, that you'll see sometime later. And then, yeah, we have stuff set up for for the next, you know, the next few few years. I mean, our goal right now is to have you know, something new and exciting, you know, every year. And we just weren't given what, you know, the, the state of everything was when Dan and Amanda and myself came on board, we weren't, you know, we weren't hundred percent confident and given, given our, um, our smokers, the best stuff until, you know, until now. I'm not trying to get anything out of you that you can't say, Andy, but I'm, I'm just, I'm curious though. Like one of the things we talked about with some of these blends and everything and again, with the Grande Bold going away, um, is and I think you'll appreciate this with your background from the floor and everything. Is I think that's that's I there's not really a powerhouse full-bodied cigar in the McDowell in the McDowell, excuse me, the McAuliffe portfolio. Line? No, in the McFor <laughs> I was in the McAuliffe portfolio. Um, I think there. I mean, like you said, I think it spans the palates, like you said, the, from you know the Connecticut and some of their milder stuff to to you know kind of on the cusp of that i mean have you guys thought mm -hmm. about getting you know a more kind of full-bodied kind of in your face line yeah the complete answer to that is yes okay <laughs> <laughs> well that's exciting have you um, have you tried have you tried our our herencia maduro i have yeah i have absolutely to, to me that that's got some punch to it to me it does that, that that cigar reminds me a little bit of my LFT days. Yeah, I can see that. 
I can see that for sure. I, I think um, I, I, the, I, I definitely, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoy that cigar. Um, I just, I, I, I always find myself going back to the, to the A Churchill. It seems like it's just, it's just always so, it just always hits. Want. It's always hits yeah. and it's so good. I love that cigar. Um, I think every time I'm in a retailer that has, that carries McAuliffe, they always have A's, I feel like, and that I feel like I always pick up one or two um, easily. Like it's always like one I've, I've just always got to have on hand or always, always purchasing and stuff. It's just, a, just, just always speaks to me. I remember I was at Wild, I was at Wild Cigar not too long ago uh, down in Burles and, and Dan, Dan Thompson happened to be there too. So I, I got to sit with him and Bob Aiken for a bit and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm smoking an A. <laughs> so, and uh he uh, he looks at me at one point of the conversation he's like you really love that cigar don't you i was like yes i really do i really do so it's a gorgeous um, place by the way wild yeah uh chris has done uh, chris and nate have done a great job with uh with that place and um it was really cool to be not a part of that not like a hands-on part of that journey but seeing that i mean chris was a customer of mine for years you know at michael's and and uh I know that was a, a dream of his for a really long time and to actually see it from, you know, spawn from, you know, from a dream into to actual existence was, was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I is the going back to the factory for just a couple of seconds. Um, do you think, uh, and, and maybe you mentioned this and I apologize if I missed it when you were talking about it. Um, it, you know, the idea of like, one of the biggest things that goes on in this business is our factory tours. Is that something that you guys foresee doing at some point during the future for, for consumers and retailers alike? Yeah, I, I would say yes. I don't know how far in the future. I don't think it's like really in the near, near future, but it is something that we would like to set up a little bit as we, you know, as we grow is, you know, as we grow it and understand a little bit more about how it works uh we would like to get people down there but i don't i'm not thinking i'm not thinking any time of the next year <clears throat> we'll bring it to you virtually until then sounds good you mentioned the new vitolas in the leyenda and you you were very precise in saying that this will be outside the coffin that's what the leyenda line has been known for mm -hmm. uh, i want to go back to earlier in the conversation we were talking about funky vitolas um the land, it kind of fits that boot a little bit, uh, fits that description a little bit. So, are, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Andy, are you guys getting, are those, are those, are you all going to be sunsetting those Vitolas and going more toward traditional with the Leanda blend or are you going to keep them no, all or? We're going to keep all of them. The Leanda number one and number two are, there's a legacy there with Joel and, you know, the Gomez Sanchez family. They, that is their, that is their baby. That's their pride and joy. That's their that's their family legacy blend, uh, and it is a fantastic cigar. Uh, and the you know the packaging is a home run on it, in my opinion. And it you know it it sells really well for us even at those price points. But there are a lot of people that want to try that blend, and not have to pay for the packaging. So that's why we're doing the you know the Toro and the Robusto, which you know, completely different sizes than the number one and number two outside of the coffin. So that way more retailer or not more, more retailers too, but more consumers can try this blend that we're very, very 
you know, high on, uh, but still keep the old traditional number one and number two with the, you know, appreciation to the Gomez Sanchez family legacy. So as, as along with that's not changing, those boxes on the one and number two are not going to change either. And okay. I don't know if you've looked at that box before, but it has the, you know, it has the picture of Pedro on it. Uh, who's the, you know, the father of, jo or the grandfather of Joel and Adele. And then it has the, you know, the family legacy pullout, uh, you know, shelf talker situation on it as well. Uh, that, that is not going to change. It's always going to be, you know, in their honor. And it's going to be more of, um, you know, appreciation type, type smoke with that unique size, that pyramid, which, I mean, I love the Leenda. It's it's high up on the list of best cigars for me of any brand. <clears throat> so, but I'm really excited for more people to have a chance to try the Leenda in the Toro and Robusto. I um I, I smoked the I was at the Great Smoke last weekend and I got the opportunity to smoke the Toro and uh, I I, I got to say I I, I enjoyed it uh, more than some of those those legacy slices. Not, nothing against them at all. Um, not to say that they were they were they're poor. Or I disliked them, but uh, I did I did like the traditional, uh, the more traditional Vitola on it. I, I thought it I thought it really worked well. I haven't had the Robusta yet, so it was the it was the Toro that they were since I wasn't there. The Toro was one they were handing out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've I've had the pleasure of smoking both the Toro and the Robusto. I'm I am always going to lean towards a Robusto just because that's that's my style yeah. uh, but both of them were were fantastic cigars but I'm still always gonna find time to smoke one of the original one and twos uh, as well because I, I love that pyramid shape I love it <laughs> but yeah we're excited we're, ex we're really excited about that to come out uh, that's something we've been working on for a while it's going to come out in the new the new box with the new the white Vista on the back, which is, you know, slowly taking over the shelves of our McAuliffe retailers with that new pop, that white Vista that you can see from across the room where sometimes the, the old black Vista kind of would get, you know, a shadow would take away from it. <clears throat> it's not going to happen with this. And the, the boxes are, you know, more shelf friendly. That's another thing with the uh, Leander Robusto and Toro you're going to have that that five five wide box instead of the Leenda, which in the pyramids and the coffins is 10 wide. And I mean, it's you're, you could probably put three boxes of the regular of the Toro Robustos in the same spot that you could put a box of Leenda number one, which is another, you know, another thing that we want to do for our retailers is not take, you know, like I said earlier, the biggest complaint you always get about why not bringing in a brand or your biggest excuse is shelf space. Uh, so, you know, we don't want to make it, we don't want to make um, large excessive boxes that are just going to take up shelf space for our retailers. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited about it. And like I, like I had mentioned, uh, you if anybody who's watching this wants to get their hands on a Leenda, Robusto, or Toro, uh, for the next six weeks, the only way they can get it is by going to a McAuliffe Leenda pre-release event. And most of the people on here on the ambassador page, I've actually created 
kind of like a tour poster of the shops that are going to be having events over the next six weeks and i've been updating it so keep your eyes peeled on that as a you know local places that you can find the new leandas that's awesome yeah check that out um you definitely yeah if you're a leanda fan you're gonna love these new vitolas they're they are awesome so that's that's good stuff um well just kind of put a cap on on the macau portion just a couple of segments to to wrap up our evening andy but before we do i I don't want to go back too far back in the conversation but we talked about the the such unique experience that we had at y'all's trade show booth last pca is the plan to attend uh the pca this year yes yes we will be there well what are you similar experience or so we have we have secured a different size booth um i don't know the exact experience yet that we're going to be giving but i know the booth size i believe is larger uh, than the one we had last year and it's in a different spot on the floor uh, but i would imagine we're still going to be uh, preaching the benefits of working with McAuliffe and why you know what we're doing for the industry <clears throat> that's going to be a main focus for us awesome i apologize i think i cut you off there i think you were about to ask me something well, I was going to ask you your thoughts on uh, the PCA change for next year. Um, you know, I, I've you know I've thought about it a little bit. And that's a really great question. Uh, I've thought about it a little bit, and uh, I know we'll be it'll be a point of discussion over the next few weeks, and I'll be part of that discussion probably on a number of shows with uh, Coop and other folks and everything as well. Um, I think I'm still trying to digest. I'm not trying to avoid your your question at all, Andy. I'm still think I'm still trying to uh, uh, digest it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it's not too much of a problem for me. That is still Q1, and that's a busy time of year for my day job. Um, oh, so that that puts a little bit of a wrinkle um, in it. I, I'm I'm sure I'll be attending. I don't think it'll preclude me from doing that. Um, I, I I'm interested to see. Uh, I can I can't say this. I'm interested to see what it does to attendance. Cause I think that's, you know, that's what you've, we've been that's, hearing. Right. And that was yeah. one of the main motivations for the change was that people were like, well, you know, I can't get away from my store in July, et cetera, blah, blah, you know, what's, what's that going to do? You know, so what does that do? So does that free them up to, to, to come in? Um, I mean, I think, I think there's some great buying opportunity that time of year. The, yeah. Uh, I know you guys aren't a part of the organization, but I, I've thought about again the conflict with TAA, which apparently is moving. I've heard. Yeah, from what from what I from what I believe or from what I've heard is there was constant communication with the PCA and the TAA on making this decision. So, that, so. so that's good. Um, so I think there, um, I think there's some positive attributes there. I think. I think uh, they're trying to give their, uh, you know, members the the best that they can. I, not to flip the question back on you. I mean, what does that do from the manufacturer perspective? Because that's a major shift. Because I mean, for the long, you know, decades. I think for the it's well, been, yeah, I think for the first year, definitely the first year, it's going to be challenging for manufacturers uh, because you know what what you have planned. When you're planning out new releases and you're planning out what you're going to produce, you're doing it 
probably about 18 to 24 months in advance. So basically most manufacturers already have a general idea of what they wanted to showcase in the PCA of 2024. I know we do. I would imagine most manufacturers already have a general idea of next year's showcase. So if you move that up, you're moving that up four months. I think that it's going to create some sort of, um, what do you call it? They're going to be scrambling to get something together to at least show off in March. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine next year, a lot of those releases still are not going to ship until the third or fourth quarter of whatever is showcased at the event, where I think now that we know this, and if it goes forward 25, we can be more prepared for. Uh, But I think the first year will be a little bit wonky. And I just hope that no one freaks out about that. Like, I don't want, I don't want anybody making a, a a rash decision. I don't want to, you know, manufacturer or PCA or any, a retailer making a rash decision about the future of it, just because we have, you know, a a little bit of a wonky year, Mm -hmm. because I think I do believe that the springtime is the best time for a trade show. Uh, for the retailers, it's, you know, most of the retailers, it's right before their busiest part of the year. It gives them more time in the year to sell the product that they take in at the trade show. Uh, you know, more people are, are amped to travel that time of year. And if you're going go to go to it in Vegas, I, I don't know how many people tell me they don't go to Vegas in July just because of the weather. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a common, common excuse. You won't really have that in March. It'll be beautiful over there in March. And no matter where they put it in March, you know, except if, you know, it was in Montana, maybe it's a problem, but (laughs) New New Orleans, Florida, Texas, Las Vegas, Arizona, if they decide to do it there, March is a fantastic time uh, to travel and do a trade show. I've never experienced Vegas this time of year, so that'll be interesting. Um, I've never been to a TPA, so... um... I'll never, uh, so I've never experienced Vegas this time of year. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting change. The, uh, to your point about logistics, that's, uh, that was something that I thought you didn't, you guys weren't part of it in 21. 21 was a nightmare for logistics. People were like, Hey, the cigars are ready. We're waiting on boxes. That was the kind of the theme of 21 last year. Like yeah. everyone, it seemed like everyone had their stuff, all their ducks lined in a row. It was great. Like, I was like, that was a question I was asking. Like everyone, like we were talking about new releases. Okay. When's this available to your retailer? Oh, it's shipping now. Oh, it'll ship in a couple of weeks. Right. I mean, they were, it was right then for like the first time either observing the trade show from the outside or being a part of it that people were like, yeah, it's shipping now or it's shipping very soon. And they were able to, they were able to, to make good on that promise uh, manufacturers yeah. across. And you guys were certainly a part of that this year, uh, like with the lowercase a, for example. Um, and um, so that was kind of cool. So yeah, like to your point, I think that that'll be logistically, that'll be different if what they, what's promised in March of next year and then what ultimately gets delivered to the shelves and when it gets mm-hmm. delivered to the shelves. So that, that will be, that will be interesting. So um, I know. Yeah. But I, I believe it's only going to be a year adjustment. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't be. Fixed. I think so. I think so. I think you're right about that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Look, excited. Uh, 
change is coming. Exciting things. So good stuff. So, yeah. all right. Well, um, wanted to dive into our final couple segments here, Andy. We can call it a nice. Thank you so much for being a part of our conversation tonight. It's always great catching up with you and yeah. um, just some really great stuff going on with Macau. So this is uh, this is exciting. Um, but uh, the first segment, of course, is our um, Asylum Cigar Moment, which uh, is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, Andy, you, this is the first time you've been a part of this segment, too. So uh, get to hear something, a moment of yours. This segment is 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 dedicated around that that moment with you and a cigar. Now, you've probably had several of these over the years, but cigars are very much community driven, right? You know, that's where we met. We met in a cigar shop. We met with other people. We smoked cigars together around other people. And that's what makes this industry so attractive. And and definitely it's our best parts. Um the uh, the open house that you guys do is is you know which we haven't touched on. I, I'll well I'll use that this to segue to talk about it a little bit, but I mean that case in point about the community that you guys have built. It's a community thing. But every so often, whole point of the segment. Every so often we get to enjoy a cigar that's by ourselves, and it could be maybe celebrating something. Maybe it's just like the the ad said a, a moment of reflection, but. What's one that comes to mind, Andy? What was the cigar, if you can remember, what was the cigar you were smoking and what was that moment about? So you're just asking me to like pick one? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you've had several. I'm not saying pick your favorite or the most important or anything like that. Oh, man. Probably when I had to leave LFD, having an El Museo. Oh, damn. With a glass of whiskey just reflecting on my time with them. That was a big one. Oh, wow. I, you know, El Museo is my favorite cigar that I've ever had a chance to smoke. And I've smoked maybe 10 of them. And I was making it a tradition to smoke them every year on my birthday <sighs> for a while. And then I'm down to one and I'm like, I, I only have one left. And I guess I'm going to save it for my 40th. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was a big moment for me as far as tying in a smoke to a moment that meant a lot to me. Cause that wasn't an easy, that wasn't an easy situation. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I bet it was, you know, like, like you said, it was a, it was a direct transition from LFD to Nat Sherman, which was, I guess, made it not knowing you weren't leaving the industry but like mm -hmm. making you know what had been part of your identity with florida minicana and your first foray into the industry and then suddenly making a change and a shift especially to a completely different company and stuff sure was really was really challenging for you the um the moment yeah. itself though with el museo uh, that's that's awesome i've had i haven't had i've had three of them and i agree they're fantastic that's um, a fantastic smoke um what is it about that cigar that you love so much? It's just got such a unique flavor to it. I can't put my hand on it or my finger on it, but the flavor profile is just like, it's got this like floral spice to it that I've never had in any other cigar. And, you know, you know, obviously on top of the fact that it's a unicorn, it's not easy to get your hands on. Right. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful cigar. The wrapper and the box is gorgeous. It just, 
from the first time I had one, it was always special to me. It's yeah. it's an amazing cigar. And I wish that there that it could be replicated somehow, some way. Because <laughs> I it's been a few years since I've even seen one for me to have the ability to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I've gosh, I, I haven't I don't think I've ever seen one. I was I was gifted the the ones that I, I I have two left and I was gifted all of them. I've smoked three. So I've gifted all five. Have never wow. seen the opportunity to buy it. I would when I first heartbeat. when I first came on board with LFD, I was I I went around kind of gobbling some up that I had seen. Uh, but yeah, I don't since I've left LFD, I don't think I've seen one for sale. Yeah, yeah anywhere. It's crazy. Awesome. What a beautiful moment. Yeah. Great um, cigar. Yeah, that was our uh, Asylum Cigars moment of refuge. It's uh, more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So Andy, wait, I mentioned a little bit about the Ultimate House. And before we go into our last question, which is our curveball segment, of course, um, just talking a little bit about like, we've talked about the amazing job that you guys did with building the ambassador group. And that's exactly what the open house is about. Um, it's a place for all the ambassadors to kind of convey. And I had the opportunity to go this year uh, in, back in September. What an incredible event that was. Um, um, it's just, it was, yeah, it was absolutely a blast. Um, and I mean, you guys just, you guys like there's, I wish I could be more descriptive with it, but you guys do it right. <laughs> it just, it is so enjoyable. It's so focused on the, the consumer. Um, you know, it's, you know, a uh, fans haven for McAuliffe cigars. I love that. You know, I was hearing a lot of talk about how people are make it like a vacation of sorts. Like this is just one. Oh, evening, absolutely. But there's so many other events that are around it kind of similar to the great smoke but different from the great smoke for what Abe does. And Abe does a great job with the great smoke, but these are consumer driven, like, you know, ambassador driven, like adjacent events that are hosted by ambassadors that come in. It's just what, what a really cool, I didn't get to experience any of the adjacent events, but what a cool experience to just like listen and be a part of what they're talking about doing and talking about plans for this year. And it, I mean, what awesome. Yeah, all we, you know, all we did in the beginning was we wanted, we picked a day, a Saturday, it was actually supposed to be the anniversary of when we broke away from doing business with Big Online. And we were going to celebrate that decision every year on this Saturday where we do, we just open the warehouse, like we open the warehouse, we get food, we get a few little activities for the ambassadors to do and it like it was honestly like you think about it it's a real simple idea right and Best the first ideas year are. we <laughs> yeah the first year we did it there wasn't a whole lot you know planned ahead of time outside of just the open house i think you know ame cigars in weatherford texas is right there next to the to the warehouse so i know a lot of the ambassadors were planning on going there during the day before the open house on Saturday, so they wanted to play in an event around it, you know, smart. But the day before, I remember ambassadors reaching out to me that week saying, hey, we're all coming in on Friday. Uh, 
we want to go to Riata or we want to go to Silverleaf. We want to, we want to all get together and, and have something fun. I was like, okay, well, I'll be there. Let's, let's all go to freaking dinner together. So like they, you know, that was their idea. Let's plan this, you know, let's do all that. You know, so what we did the second year is we actually set up a cigar dinner on the roof of Riata. Uh, and, you know, I, took a list of ambassadors that were interested in going and I think we had like 50 people up there and it was it was fantastic we had a designated menu for them and you could smoke cigars and that being a really you know uh, comfortable night up there it wasn't too hot but they also coupled that this year with a golf tournament and then they wanted to go like shooting uh, a few of them went shooting like they what's crazy to me is the fact that we created this social platform called the ambassador group. And these guys have made lifelong friends with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just that, that avenue for them to do it. Uh, you know, we provide the, the group, we provide the cigars and, you know, honestly, we provided entertainment at first. Now it's mostly them providing entertainment. Uh, they get together every Monday night on the, uh, on the ambassador page and do a herf. Uh, they plan, they plan all sorts, they were planning all sorts of get togethers um, at the Great Smoke when they were down mm-hmm. there. They went golfing yeah. and all that good stuff. So they, um, it's, it's organic. It really is really fun. And I mean, we have some ideas of how we want to expand on it this year, but I guarantee you that there's going to be several more ideas thrown at us by the ambassadors between now and the open house this year. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, I mean, it's like you were there. It was simple. We had food. We had some trivia games. We had uh, some putt putt going on. It was there a was a tour nothing. of the facility too. Yeah, tour of the facility. We'll show you the uh, the humidors where all the cigars are kept. Um, and you know that's that's about it. We just we just want to all get together and have fun and have a good time. And you know, I, we're hoping eventually we can start having ambassador get-togethers in different parts of the country for people that can't you know make it to weatherford but you're right there a lot of these guys they i mean people tell me all the time they already have it on their calendar they've already asked off of work for it for this year they they make a full vacation out of it yeah so coop's pledged to come down this year and we'll i'll be going as well and again and it's just a it's it's something i'm i'm just genuinely looking forward to uh, I didn't know what to expect this year, you know, going, you know, I've seen pictures, I've heard about the experience. It looks great and everything. Uh, all I can tell people is like, it, it's, if it's something you, it, it's something you should try to do uh, because it, it really is great. And you guys have done a great job with it. And uh, your group has, like you said, taken a life of its own and they've really taken ownership of it. And, and uh, it's a, it's a really great opportunity to, uh, to get together so i think uh you know yeah the more means. the more the merrier I, I mean i'd love to see you there again this year coop that would be great i think the tobaccos want to try to make it this year um so but yeah it's it's a laid back fun night that's yeah. that's all i can say about it good stuff i generally have some of the most fun of my entire year on open house nice Nice. Well, I look forward to seeing you then again, Andy. Of course, I'll see you at PCA first before that. Yeah, but uh, 
Uh, but it's uh, it's come that time uh, to wrap up our show, the Dunbart Tobacco and Trust Curveball segments. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up. Eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So, Andy, we've talked a little bit about your background. We've talked, you know, and so, you know, obviously there's uh, you've you've had some challenging jobs in your in your in your career and everything. So here's my here's my curveball question for you. Would you rather what do you think is well, actually not would you rather what do you think is harder? Running a chain of hotels in Florida over spring break week for 52 straight weeks, so a year of spring breaks for hotels, or starting a cigar company, what's harder? Wow. <clears throat> well, I would say, you know, it's funny because I think they're both equally hard but in different aspects of one could be very real and one's obviously impossible so it like (laughs) yeah well but okay so so the 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 year of spring breaks would be physically hard (laughs) physically hard where starting a cigar company and i've you know i've been part of this with mcauliffe is extremely mentally hard (laughs) so it's it's like two different types of energy Uh, that you would be using for each situation what would I rather do I'd rather start a cigar company Uh, I think that would be a little bit more fun I think the spring break situation would get old rather quickly taxing Uh, it would be very it would be very taxing Um, I'm sure there's some perks to that but but yeah I you know I, I had a great time working for Hilton for 10 years there's aspects I miss about the hospitality industry, but there's the, the energy and the hard work, the physical, you know, work that you put in running a hotel. I don't miss that. Yeah. I don't miss that at all because there's so much unpredictability. There's so much, you know, hours that you just don't know you're going to work that you end up working. Uh, it's, it's a lot. So that would definitely be the lesser of two evils by far <laughs> i i literally just made up that first part of it obviously um spring what, break for what, a year. what was the heart what was the hardest time of year was it was i mean i just imagine it would be spring break for 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 anything in florida i mean was it the holiday season like what was the hardest part about managing like hardest time of year rather honestly it was it wasn't really spring break it was like events uh okay. in florida you would have like daytona 500 was a big deal oh sure uh, that was a that was a pain in the ass. Um, Miami, I worked in an airport hotel, so it was a lot more of uh, oh, shit. <laughs> it was a lot more of that transient travel. But we had the Super Bowl down there when I was there, and that was a pain in the ass. Uh, Texas, we had the ice storm. Uh, right. What year was that? Two thousand ten. The Super yeah, Bowl. Two thousand ten. Yeah, the two thousand ten ice storm. No, it was, we had one after that because I didn't live there in 2010. I moved there in, in uh, 2011, but we had one in like 2012 or 2013. Yeah. And it was in December. And I remember, you know, we had basically the hotel closed for like a, a week. And then our company had this general, you know, this fantastic idea that we were going to have 
uh, house rooms for UPS because UPS had to send a bunch of people to Texas to catch up for holiday shipments. Uh, and our whole entire hotel was rented by UPS for a week. And you would think that would be easy peasy. No, we had to serve them food. We had different ships coming in at different times. And I mean, it was, it was a complete utter nightmare. That was terrible. Uh, and then Nashville, you had, uh, when I worked in downtown Nashville, we had CMA Fest and that was a nightmare. That was, wow. so usually it's, it's around in a, a specific like event that's the worst. Gotcha. Not so much, not so much a spring break week. Or a now, I never did, I never did work in the, on the, uh, what do you call it? On the beach or anything like that. So, I mean, maybe it would be different for a beach property. Yeah. yeah after that after that ice storm situation when carney called and offered you a job you're like yes yes i can't say yes fast enough <laughs> Jeez, yeah that was that was that was that was bad so we oh goodness you know a short story but i feel so bad for this person we had a a, a paraplegic staying at our hotel uh during the ice storm and he had one of those cars that he you know had to blow in to drive Right. A specially made car and when we had the ice storm you know when the ice melt the freaking ice comes off the roof so before we were able to get everybody to move their cars sure enough this giant chunk of ice fell from 10 stories up and totally oh. demolished his car oh it of course like a, oh, it looked God. like a, a, a one of those big trucks what are they called the the, the monster trucks yeah. like just ran over the car and sure enough this guy had you know it took us two days to figure out how to get him a replacement car and he was just livid and i just felt so bad for the guy because he couldn't go anywhere yeah. yeah but that's i mean that's the kind of stuff that you you don't think about yeah. unpredictability in a hotel situation and you're just like oh crap <laughs> yeah like now i gotta deal with this and this guy you know for you know he could freaking sue us like he has he has he has a right to <clears throat> so yeah wow that's stuff i don't miss i don't yeah. miss that good times not at all <laughs> <laughs> all right well that was our curveball segment brought to you by dunbarton tobacco and trust and that of course it concludes our evening uh andy uh thank you so much for making some time uh, on a late on a Sunday uh, to, to sit and chat with me for, for a couple of hours here. And I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for the cigars. Uh, really enjoyed the uh, a Robusto uh, definitely going to be in my rotation going forward. Um, and uh, it's just been, a, it's been a real pleasure as always catching up with you. So thank you. Thanks for having me bear. I was looking forward to it for uh for the last few weeks. So I'm glad that I finally was able to do, you know, a one-on-one -on -one with Bear because mm -hmm. the last time I, we had Dan with me, yeah. no offense to Dan, but uh, I was looking for, for my first shot. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you healed up too. I know you were sick this past week. So thank you. That's, that's good that uh, you were feeling a lot better for tonight too. That would have been a, that would have been a real stinker. Yeah. Um, that would suck. <laughs> 
So for everyone out there, really appreciate all the likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. The ambassadors were uh, staying with us up late, strong. Thank you so much to everybody out there. You can always check out our YouTube page, LLC Fumar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Uh, check out a calendar of upcoming guests and everything on our Facebook page. Uh, we always put uh, put stuff out there as well. We've got some great shows lined up for you in the next couple of weeks. Um, James Brown from Oveja Negra um, and... Uh, a couple of others will be joining us got some really cool stuff like i talked about the united campaign that we're going to be starting here in a couple of months too got some great uh people from those brands uh, that will be uh that will be stopping by too some great stuff on the horizon don't want to miss it so stay tuned we've got some great great guests coming up some great takes and uh as always we really do appreciate all those likes shares and comments uh, if you are listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, don't forget to hit the subscribe, review, please, and download. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe because it helps my numbers. <laughs> uh, and that helps me get great guests like Andy whenever I want. So uh, keep those, uh, keep that happening as well. Do appreciate everyone out there. This was, uh, this is our 245th take. Done 245 of these. Holy cow. It's unbelievable. Um, got a great take for our 250th coming up. You don't want to miss that here in a couple of weeks as well. Um, but for everyone else tonight, thank you so much for joining us uh, live from the Alec Bradley Studios of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Plessy, as always. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.